Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie Murphy, and I am your host. And I'm so happy that you're here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I welcome you with open arms and I would kiss you on the mouth if I could. If you are returning, you already know how I feel about you. I mention it a lot, like it's getting a little bit weird. So today we have a whole smorgasbord. I always try and say this word and I always say it wrong. I'm pretty sure it's smorgasbord. Is it smorgasbord with a D or with a B? Let's look it up. Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord D. I'm so sorry for how many times I just said that. If I am in headphones, you probably don't like me anymore. So we have a whole arrangement of things. We are going to go over Bachelorette recap. It's not very long because I didn't watch the whole thing. We have a full, full, full section of mildly dishonest things that you guys do. I was kind of holding off on this this uh, topic, but a lot of you submitted answers and you were wondering when the episode was going to come out with all of these. And I figured today's the best day. I thought we could take a little sidestep away from the spooky, but don't worry, I am going to end with a slightly spooky tale, kind of a throwback. You guys will get what I mean. But first, before we get started, if you guys would just hop on your phone, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, and then just hit five stars. That's the most important, just hit five stars. But if you have like an extra 24 seconds, if you could just leave a review, that is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast, for me, and I would love you forever. So first of all, let's talk about The Bachelorette. Let's talk about The Bachelor franchise just in general, okay? The way I feel about the Bachelor franchise is the same way I feel about ex-boyfriends that I like stalk to make sure that they're doing worse than me. You guys know what I mean? You all do that too. Like I keep peeking in on Bachelor just to be like, is it still terrible? And then I watch the whole season and I commit to not watching the next season. And then another season comes up or a new show or a new whatever. And then I'm I'm back in. And then at the end, I hate it and I commit to never watching it again. And it's just this toxic cycle that I'm in with Chris Harrison. So here we are. Claire Crawley is the Bachelorette. And the thing that's weirdest about Bachelor or this season of The Bachelorette is that we all know what happens. Like we all know that Claire gets engaged to Oh, wait. Well, hold on. If, you, if you're if you not looking for spoilers, just skip ahead. Maybe th- this is a spoiler to you. I don't know. But it's been all over the internet. We all know that Clara gets engaged to Dale. And then Dale and then they leave together, I'm assuming. Dale is so hot, by the way, but his ears are tiny. But he's still hot. It doesn't even matter. So then they leave together and then they bring Tasha in, which that whole setup, first of all, I just wonder how Tasha feels about it. First of all, Tasha is five billion times better than Claire. Like I just, I like her a lot more. I mean, I don't love, I didn't love her on Bachelor in Paradise. She wasn't my, she's not my favorite of, of the entire cast, but she's a much better choice than Claire. So I'm here for it. But I wonder how that makes her feel that like these guys signed up to be on Claire's season and now she's stepping in and they like didn't know. I, I don't know if I was those guys, I would be pumped if it was Tasha. So I can't, I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I was surprised at how boring the premiere was just because it's such a weird season. Like I thought it would be so much more entertaining, but let's get into some of the notes that I took. So if you haven't watched it, first of all, the first 35 minutes are just COVID talk. We were quarantined. Oh my gosh, this disease, blah, blah, blah. I get it. Like, I'm just sick of COVID talk. Like, are you guys just sick of talking about it? Like I just... Oh man, I I don't like like the 2020 memes, like 2020, am I right? But like 2020, am I right? Like, whoa, like what a weird, weird year. So let me go to my notes. I just took a few about some of the guys that I saw their introductions and what I thought of them. So first off, Ben walked, I don't know if he was first, but Ben walked in. He's the one that said, take a deep breath. Here's what I don't get about these bachelor, bachelorette introductions. It has now become a contest of who can be the most 
the most embarrassing. I don't understand what the problem is with just walking in and having like a funny pickup line and then going like they've got props, they've got cars, they've got costumes, they've got assistants. Like I'm so confused. And to be totally honest, I cannot watch these introductions anymore. It's why I like stopped the episode. I think I got through them, but I was bored and I had to look away because there's they give me the worst secondhand embarrassment. I cannot I I wonder if the producers have like a list of things that the guys can choose from. I need an inside scoop. Okay. Do they like is the like I don't know. I just can't imagine that any of these guys, because they, some of them seem so normal and so cool. I can't imagine that they came up with the idea like, yeah, I want to show up in a costume and I want to say this, this, and this. Like, I want to show up in a straight jacket. Like, there's no way. But maybe they did and I'm just, I'm just not, I don't know. I'm just not here for that though. I don't like watching them anymore. They used to be entertaining no more. So Ben walked in and is the one who said, take a deep breath, weird, whatever. Jordan, I wrote down tall, velvet shoes. Wow, cute. I'm pretty sure he was super hot. And he was like very, very, very tall, like very tall. Uh, Jason was the guy who walked out and was pretending to be pregnant because I guess that was how Claire got out of the car on her first season with Juan Pablo. That was her introduction. Um, and Jason was a former NFL player, which of course he was a former NFL player. I feel like the NFL, cause I know a little bit about it. A couple of my brothers played in the NFL and I have just like a basic knowledge of how it works. So there's like practice squads, which you're kind of like on reserve. You're still getting paid. Like, uh, like you're not get you're not making as much, but you're still getting paid to be on the team. And then if somebody gets hurt, they pull you up and you make the, I think it's 53, the 53 man roster. I don't know, but just the main team, whatever. I am almost positive that the NFL has a secret that they're keeping from us, that they take, like that you go from the 53 man roster, you go down to the practice squad, and then there's an, an additional one that is bachelor contestants because wow how many of these guys are former NFL players it is bizarre like is nobody else going to talk about this because it's weird they're never like they're always they're always subpar NFL retirees you know like they they played on a few different teams they got cut from the practice squad after two years and then they go like I don't know. I feel like maybe they have a quiz beforehand. Like, are you bachelor material? Because that's where we are trading you to. I don't know. I can't figure it out. But so many of these guys are former NFL players. I'm pretty sure there's five in the house right now. Like, I'm I'm almost positive. Also, the guys I'm talking about, I don't even know if they make it past the first night. I literally didn't finish it. So there, there's no spoilers because I don't know them. Um, okay, then Ivan came in, he spoke Tagalog to her, which I had a boyfriend do that. And it like, I've, I'm triggered. I'm triggered by it. Uh, Kenny, of course. I wrote, of course, because there's always a guy named Kenny. Like there is always a guy named Kenny, just like how on British Baking Show, there's always one teenager. You know, there's always one person who's substantially younger. Bachelor always has somebody named Kenny. Um, I don't, I can't decide if this guy is in a boy band. I think he might manage a boy band. I'm going to fact check myself because let's see, Kenny, Kenny Bachelorette. Let's see, Kenny Bachelorette. Uh, okay. He, yes, he is. Okay. Of course he is a boy band manager. I thought when I saw him, I thought he was on, uh, bachelor, listen to your heart. Do you guys remember that at the very beginning of quarantine? <sighs> quarantine was fun. There was a time where quarantine was fun. You can't deny it. We were all making sourdough starters. Bachelor, listen to your heart was on. Uh, it was a good time. So yeah, Kenny, he had the dog shirt on, you know, and she like rubbed his abs, weird, whatever. Jeremy, don't remember who Jeremy is, but all I wrote is that he has Republican vibes. Uh, I can't really explain that to you. It's just, it's what I got from him. Like, I feel, I feel like he's probably voting for Trump. I'm not, I'm not making any commentary on it. That's just the general energy that I got from him. Uh, Tyler showed up in a station wagon. Okay. On top of that, this man has never been sweatier. I mean, he was the sweatiest person I've ever seen. On top of that, he has like a uh, like a slight Southern drawl, and he says things like, I'm a man of my word. That's the villain. 
You can tell by that sentence right there. If their opening line is they talk about how honest they are, there's something going on there. They they are covering up something and I don't know what, but I just don't trust someone who opens with, I'm a man of my word. That's all I'm saying, okay? Bennett came up in a Rolls Royce. Um, I hope he gets hit by a Rolls Royce at some point in his life because that was not, I just, I wasn't, I didn't like that at all. Chris. Okay, Chris. So if you guys follow me on Instagram, you saw that I did a little, I did a TikTok, but I posted on my Instagram too, of what I thought of a few of the men. I think that I used the pre-COVID cast because some of those guys, some of those guys were not on Monday's episode. So I don't know, because somebody messaged me and they said, hey, I was looking for those guys and they didn't get out of the car. I'm pretty sure that they had a cast pre-COVID and then and they announced it and then they everybody had to go in lockdown and a few of them fell off the roster because I know one of the guys who was on there decided to stay home with his kids So at, when COVID hit, so he didn't go back. So I think that that's what happened with those. But Chris, okay, so for all my Utah people, Chris is from Utah. And somebody tagged him in my video and he ended up commenting. And I just want to say, Chris, you are way, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't directly say this to him because I don't even think he's listening. But I know somebody out there listening knows Chris. He is so much hotter than his picture gives him credit for. Because when I saw his picture, I categorized him as the guy who wears those finger toe shoes at the gym. And then I saw his Instagram and I was like, whoa, he is not a finger toe shoe man. He's hot. He's way hot. So I don't really know what happens to him, but I was a big fan of him. He also like laughed at my video when I was totally roasting him, which made me happy. So team Chris all the way. Uh, Robbie then came in. He looks like Christian Gray. I don't know. That cannot be a bad thing. I mean, whatever. Then a guy named Easy came in. Again, former NFL player. And that was the only, I don't know. I'm trying to remember who else. Just so many of these guys strike me as like the like the white kids who get cut from the high school basketball team, but then they still call their cars whips. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Like, I can't stand when a 26-year-old white dude, like, gets a new Toyota Corolla and he posts on Instagram, like, check out my new whip. Why do I hate that so much? It literally plagues me at night. I just can't stand it. I feel like I went to high school with this entire group of guys. So Claire then goes on. She has a night with the thing. Obviously, Claire has no problem, like, taking... Okay, sorry, my brain, my thoughts are a little bit scattered, but Claire has this line where she's like fake crying and she's like, I just haven't done anything for myself for the last t- 25 years and now it's my time, my time. I'm just so strong all the damn time and I just, it's my time, it's my, okay, like first of all, Claire, you've been on five Bachelor shows, five you were on The Bachelor. You did two seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. You then did Bachelor Winter Games, and now you're The Bachelorette. I don't think you have a problem doing anything for yourself. Like, I'm just putting that out there. You have literally spent the last 15 years of your life trying to be on TV. Like, that doesn't strike me as somebody who's really struggling to put themselves first. I don't know. So that's kind of what I think about that. I cannot wait for Claire to GTFO so we can get Tasha in here and see how that unfolds in the most dramatic season of Bachelor history. Chris's words, not mine. So there is kind of my Bachelor recap. I don't have a lot of thoughts. I will be sure to watch the whole episode next time so that I can have more thoughts. But, you know. Next, next section, next chapter of this episode, we are getting into civil disobedience. So let me tell you what civil disobedience is. Civil disobedience is the refusal to pay certain things, certain taxes or fines as a peaceful form of protest. I just want to mention that peaceful protest is legal. It's like in the amend, the amendments, <laughs> constitution, whatever. It's definitely legal. And I got a lot of pushback on this topic when I asked it on my Instagram because I said that sometimes I grab a couple Honeycrisp apples, I head over to self-checkout, and I punch in gala because Honeycrisp apples are $4 an apple, which 
The bummer is that they are so worth it. Honeycrisp apples are truly, truly one of the most delicious things on the planet. They are exactly like what an apple should taste like. So do I sometimes pay full price? Absolutely. Every now and then I just type in gala. Okay. And I got a lot of pushback on this because somebody was, I had a bunch, not a bunch of people. I had one lady tell me that I was hurting farmers, that I was hurting farmers by paying less for apples. So I did a little digging on this. No, because the money that I spend on the apple doesn't go to the farmers. The farmers have made the money by the store buying their supply, right? I might be wrong. I don't think I am, but I might be. So, you know, let me know if I am. But somebody, yeah, anyways, I it's like, okay, here's the thing. It's like me, I have t-shirts, right? I have t-shirts on my website. It's like me putting, it's like you guys paying less for your t-shirts and saying that my supplier is being hurt, but the supplier is not being hurt because I already paid them for my t-shirts and you guys are paying me. So these big corporations, Walmart, Amazon, Disney, Apple, I don't feel bad, okay? Do you think I'm going to feel bad if Walmart makes uh? six billion dollars instead of six billion and four dollars no i i'm very much not worried about it also these are my versions of civil disobedience this is how i protest okay i don't think that they should get to do that so there um but i love a little a little touch of dishon i shouldn't even say dishonesty i would say reddit might call these unethical life pro tips which i like they're just slightly left of center okay Um, I cut a lot of lines, but I only cut lines that are absurdly long. I would never like cut in line if there was three people in line. Okay. Last summer or two summers ago, we were in Paris and we went to Versailles for the day. The line into Versailles was three hours long. Okay. I would not wait. I, I wouldn't wait more than 20 minutes in line for almost anything. That is not a joke. Try me. When we got married, there was somebody in front of us. And like, I was almost ready to reschedule to the next day just so we didn't have to wait. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at on lines. I don't wait in lines at Disney, even though I love Disney. I don't wait in lines at restaurants. I don't like if it's, if somewhere's too crowded, I just leave. But we had gone all this way to Versailles and I didn't want to wait in the line. I didn't know what to do. So I walked up to the front and I handed them our tickets and they said, you have to go to the back. And I said, oh my gosh, my mom is up there. I have to go. I have to go meet my mom. She's, she's going to get lost. She's right in front of us. And then I pointed to a lady who was like just far enough away that they couldn't yell to her and like confirm that it was my mom. So they were like, okay, whatever, go like that. I, I don't know. And honestly, I don't feel good about it. I don't, but this is a confessional episode. Okay. This is to release us of all the guilt that we feel for our civil disobedience. So let me go on to read your guys's answers and kind of what I think about these. So somebody said, I pretend to be sleeping in hopes that my boyfriend will cuddle me. I always pretend to be sleeping. I have done this since I was a little kid. When I was little, I thought that I could pretend to be asleep with one eye open just to see if anybody walked in and saw me sleeping. I don't know why. I always wanted to. I always wanted somebody to find me sleeping and then cradle me in their arms and put me in bed and lay a blanket over me. That was always my my dream. Like once I hit age six and I was, you know, five eleven, that stopped. But I still think about it. Uh, somebody said they blame their farts on their dog. Of course, if you fart and there's a baby or an animal around you, you always blame that. You never take responsibility. Uh, next, I let my son eat grapes before we check out, knowing that it will be less. Great. I love that. I love that. Stealing a few grapes for a few, like the reality of it is, is that eating grapes probably saves you 40 cents and like that's fine. It's not, it's not hurting anybody. It's a victimless crime. Okay. Uh, someone said I park at the gas pump, even if I'm not getting gas because it's easier. (laughs) I do that too. That we have this really super tiny gas station right near us. There's like one parking spot. That's really the only option that I have. Somebody said, I tell the dentist that I floss. Don't we all? I of course tell the dentist that I floss. Do I? Yes, I do actually floss. I started flossing recently. It's not a, it's not a lifelong habit that I've had, but I have started and it's kind of a good time. Those little flosser things are very convenient. You just pop them in. I like them. 
Somebody said that they sneak into homes that are being built just to get, just to look at them, which definitely does not feel legal. And for legal reasons, I do not support any of these decisions, but um, for podcast reasons, I absolutely do. But I feel like if you're sneaking in and you're not doing anything, I mean, you're not stealing anything, you're not hurting anything. She just said that she likes to look at houses, like she's into interior design. Great. I love that. I mean, be careful because I'm pretty sure some of those have security systems and I would hate to see, you know, something bad happen. So just when you're breaking the law, don't break the law. I learned this from Molly's game. So Molly's game, if you haven't seen it, it's incredible. She is running this poker ring and she goes to a lawyer and she says, hey, am I breaking the law? And he goes, no, but we have a saying, don't break the law when you're breaking the law. And she's like, wait, am I breaking the law? It's this, it's really confusing. But just while you're doing these things, don't do anything slightly more illegal that could bring you down. Okay. That was a random tangent, but here we are. Somebody said that I play on my phone when I'm at work, but I pretend that I'm working on something. Let me give you guys a life hack for this. So when I was in DC as an intern, as you guys know, very unqualified, I had one of those phone cases that like folded over so that when you open it, it's kind of like a book, like it looks like a book, but then you keep your credit cards in one side. So I had one of those phone cases. I will tell you something everybody takes you seriously when you carry one of those phone cases. I'm not kidding. You look like a CEO. Everybody took me seriously when I had that phone. Like I would be in the elevator and I would open that up and I look like I'm, I don't know, doing something fancy, trading stocks. What am I really doing? Looking for a way to play Super Mario on an iPhone. But nobody can tell because you look so professional. So if that can work for me, as a congressional intern for the House of Representatives, it can definitely work for you guys at where you're working, at your job. <laughs> uh, okay, next. Uh, I skip pages in my kid's book when I'm putting him to bed. Yes, a lot of these hacks, let me tell you, are motherhood survival tricks. Okay, you guys know I'm very protective of mothers. I don't like mommy shaming. I don't like when anybody judges anybody's mothering techniques. So a lot of these are really good ideas. I have definitely been, guys, I babysit like rarely, but sometimes I do. I babysit my nieces and nephews every, I don't think I've ever read a full book to them. I don't think I've ever read a full book like period in my life, but you know, I think that's a good life hack to not read the full book. They don't know. All they remember is that you spent time with them and that's the most important thing. They're not going to remember that you missed the plot point on page seven. You do what you can and then, and they will remember that. Okay. So don't feel bad about that. This is kind of like, I think I just said this, this is your confessional, okay? Any guilt that you've been feeling about any of these things that you do, I now have the authority to release that guilt from you. <laughs> now it's out into the universe. Okay, this one was my favorite one. She says, I work proctoring exams and sometimes I don't flag people for cheating because I understand the struggle. That is just, that's good. That's good humanness right there. Humanity, like just keeping people above water and just helping people out when you can. I don't see anything wrong with that. And on top of that, it doesn't hurt this person who's proctoring the exam to not flag them. Like it's not, I don't know, just people who, people who, who are, whoa, people who are overly hung up on the power that they have. I don't get that. Like I've been a hostess before, uh, like for a long time at a restaurant and so, like I just would let people do like if I could get them in earlier I would like it doesn't affect me at all like if there was a table I'd give it to him I don't understand people who in their jobs like to power trip like well I can restrict you from this so I just am going to like there's no rhyme or reason but it's just a power trip um next she said I agreed to give up soda with my husband but I drink Pepsi at my friend's house of course you should as you should somebody said they lie about their kid's age when we go to Disneyland. So I think at Disney stuff, Disneyland, Disney World, I think two and under gets in free. Absolutely. If they're three, four, and they pass for two, definitely take that free ride. Okay. Because Disney is going to be fine. Do you guys want to know how much money Disney makes in one day? Let me tell you. Disney daily revenue. Let's see here. Oh, good. In 2018, Disney earned $7.1 in admission revenue. How about that? So yeah, I don't feel very bad if you guys are getting one of your kids in for free. 
It takes a load off of you and it does absolutely nothing to Disney. So yes, I support that. Um, oh, I totally do this one. Tell my husband, no, I've had this shirt for a long time. I just never wear it. <laughs> I do that all the time. I think I just like compulsively say it. Like, I don't think Matt would even care if I went and bought a new shirt, but I just don't want the guilt. So I just say, no, I've had it forever. <laughs> uh, oh, another, this is another great, great mother life hack. Baby items check free on most airlines. I think it's Delta. I'm thinking of Delta, but they do uh, baby items that check free pack extra things in your baby item bag. So in your stroller thing, in your car seat, in your uh, pack and play, whatever you guys have, you can pack extra stuff in there and it'll check free. Love it. Uh, Somebody said they lie about their weight on their driver's license. Yes. Yes, of course. Of course we do. Riddle me this. Why do driver's licenses even need our weight? First of all, nobody tells their real weight. Not one person does not lie. Second of all, weight changes so rapidly. What is knowing somebody's weight going to do for you? Like, like it's okay. I assume it's for like, if they find your body somewhere (laughs) and they have to ID you, what are they going to do? Weigh it and match it up with your driver's license. There is no reason for us to have weight on there. I'm so confused. Every single time they ask me height, I get that's probably not changing ever, (laughs) but my weight like, not only do I lie about it, I also, like, even if it was my real weight, I, it would probably change within two weeks of putting that down. So I am team get rid of weight on driver's licenses. Why is that such a hard word to say? Um, next, if I haven't finished an assignment, I send it as a corrupt file. Then a few days later, the professor professor will say he needs the assignment because it came in as a corrupt file and then I've had time to finish it. Love that. Love a college hack. Great. I love seeing these. I don't know if you guys have seen people posting like the emails from their professors that say like, hey guys, make sure you don't download the textbook for free on this website. I would hate for you to do that and not give the university your money, like totally helping them out. I love that. We're all just trying to help each other out. Okay. And some of these life hacks are doing just that. Not only are they not hurting anybody, they're actually helping so many people. So, uh, oh, this is such a good one. I've pretty much only written two papers in college. I just move stuff around so it fits the class. She said she's been getting A's all through college by her. It's still her work. There's no reason why you can't do that. If you didn't copy it from anybody, you're just using them for different things. Uh, she says, I watched all of Breaking Bad and I didn't tell my husband and now we are watching it together. You guys, I've totally done this and then I've used it to like predict things in the show. (laughs) Like I've watched ahead and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, I guarantee this, this, and this happens. And then I look like really impressive. Like I totally knew what was going on, even though I did because I already watched it. Uh, Another one that I do eat the bag, eat the, the thing of fries that, and then give you, why can I not say this? Like if there's two fries in a bag, you eat some of them and then you give your husband, the one that has less. I totally do that all the time. Um, And I feel like it doesn't count. Like if you ate them on the way home, like you didn't actually have any, you were just like testing them out. You know what I'm saying? I tell my child the cookies are gone and then I eat the rest while he's sleeping. That is another mom life pack. Do you eat the cookies, eat your kids cookies? You're doing a lot. Okay. Just eat, eat the cookies. Um, Somebody said they tell their kids that McDonald's is broken sometimes. Just all of it, just the whole, just the whole thing of of McDonald's, just totally broken. Uh, somebody said they take extra time in the bathroom at work, or they wait to go to the bathroom till they're at work so they can get paid for it. I have a song for this. Boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I poop on company time. That's not my song, but it's a pretty good one, and it fits. Uh, I buy extra or I buy clothes for a special event and then I return them the next day. I haven't ever done this because Liz, the Lizzie McGuire episode where she did this with those bedazzled jeans and then she spills, I think like a Slurpee on them and she has to pay for them. I'm always scared that they're not going to believe me or they're not going to take it back or whatever. And I don't know, but I do think it's a good idea. Again, not hurting anybody. As long as it's not like a swimsuit or like underwear, as long as it's nothing touching your nether regions. If it's a dress, if it's a top, return it. It's fine. Just say it didn't work out. Most places are, I feel like most places now nowadays are pretty good about returns. Like you have to, you have to be good with returns. People who are like stubborn with them, I just don't shop there. 
Uh, She says, I work at a hotel and I always give customers discounts on snacks because they are way too expensive. Love that. I love somebody helping out their customers. Uh, Next, I have a fake email so I can keep signing up for discounts. I do too. I also have a fake Instagram, not a Finsta. Like it's, it's a completely hidden secret Instagram account just so I can lurk a little bit. And also I put that down like... I don't know. I feel like I've had things asked for like Instagram handles and I just put that fake one in and I like that. And then I can also see the people who have blocked me. <coughs> Robbie trip. <coughs> okay. Oh, okay. Whoops. I lost my page. Oh, this is another mommy life hack. I love this one. I hope you guys all start doing this. When she goes to Target, she takes a bundle of the, of the bags, like a self-checkout for poopy diapers. I think that is a wonderful idea. You need those. Uh, when my kids have an annoying toy, I throw it away and I blame the toy fairy. <laughs> uh, somebody said I let my baby steal a mini pumpkin today from the pumpkin patch. Yes. Yes. I think that is okay. It was nine. She said it was 99 cents. You can donate a dollar next time you go. Okay. And then the last one is uh, I put my friend's phone numbers as references on job applications. I hope you guys start doing this for me. Like I want somebody to call me and be like, hey, we just have a reference, you know, we're thinking about hiring, I don't know, Brittany, can you give us a reference? And I would be like, yes. And I would give a glowing review. I would say that you are the future godmother of my children. I would say the best things and you would get every job. So there is kind of a little summary of all of the mildly dishonest things that we do because we do a lot of honest things. Okay. We pay a lot of money to a lot of people to live our life. And I think it's okay to, you know, steal a bundle of bags from Target or pay 40 cents less for a bag of grapes. I just think that that's okay. It keeps us sane. It also makes us feel like a little bit edgy. Do you guys get that? Like I love like, I like things that are mildly risky. I don't ever take risks. I would not consider myself impulsive or risky, but I like things that have no imminent danger, like dyeing my hair pink, which I did. And it was not the best idea, but at least like nothing or nobody got hurt. I'm not trying to skydive. I'm not trying to rob a bank. I'm just trying to do things that give me a little thrill, you know, like driving in the carpool lane when you're alone, like just that, that little spice in your life. So there is that. And now to end it, I know this episode is just a titch shorter than most episodes are, but I have a few spooky stories to end with. We got to keep the fall the fall vibes going. We are not ready to end this. And then next week we will have more spookies. But today I am actually not reading listener submitted stories. I am reading stories from our childhood favorite, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I don't know why I am so excited about this because I grew up reading these. They were so scary then. I kind of feel like it's why our generation loves true crime because like these weren't the library. Like these were in our kids or in our classrooms as kids. What? Can you imagine if these stories were available at elementary schools now? There is no way that would fly. So I am going to read you a few of those and we're going to get spooky. Okay, again trigger warning for these last, this last little bit, because these are scary. Don't listen to them with your kids. But I did listen to these as kid as a kid and I turned out fine. Well, no, actually don't let your kids listen to these. So according to vulture.com, this is the scariest story of all scary stories to tell in the dark. I hope it rings a bell for you. It is called Harold. Let's get into it. When it got hot in the valley, Thomas and Alfred drove their cows up to a cool green pasture in the mountains to graze. Usually they stayed there with the cows for two months. Then they brought them down to the valley again. The work was easy enough, but oh, was it boring. All, All day, the two men tended their cows. At night, they went back into the tiny, sorry, the tiny hut where they lived. They ate supper and worked in the garden and went to sleep. It was always the same. Then Thomas had an idea that changed everything. Let's make a doll the size of a man, he said. It would be fun to make, and we could put it in the garden to scare away the birds. It should look like Harold, Alfred said. Harold was a farmer they both hated. They made the doll out of old socks stuffed with straw. They gave it a pointy nose like Harold's and tiny eyes like his. They then added dark hair and a, and a twisted frown. Of course, they also gave him gave it Harold's name. Sorry, I don't know why I'm having a hard time reading. 
Each morning on their way to the pasture, they tied Harold to the pole in the garden to scare away the birds. Each night they brought him inside so that he wouldn't get rust. He wouldn't get rusted if it rained. When they were feeling playful, they would talk to him. One night they said, how are the vegetables growing today, Harold? Then the other, making believe he was Harold, would answer in a crazy voice. Very slowly, they both would laugh, but not Harold. Whenever something went wrong, they took it out on Harold. They would curse him, even kick him or punch him. Sometimes one of them would take the food they were eating, which they both were sick of, and smear it on the doll's face. How do you like that stew, Harold? He would ask. Well, you better eat it, or else. Then the two men would howl with laughter. One night, after Thomas had wiped Harold's face with food, Harold grunted. Did you hear that? Alfred asked. It was Harold, Thomas said. I was watching him when it happened. I can't believe it. How could he grunt? Alfred asked. He's just a sack of straw. It's not possible. Let's throw him in the fire, said Thomas, and that will be that. Let's not do anything stupid, said Alfred. We don't know what's going on. When we move the cows down, we'll leave him behind. For now, let's keep an eye on him. So they left Harold sitting in the corner of the hut. They didn't talk to him or take him outside anymore. Now and then, the doll grunted, but that was all. After a few days, they decided there was nothing to be afraid of. Maybe a mouse or some insects had gotten inside Harold and were making those sounds. So Thomas and Alfred went back to their old ways. Each morning, they put Harold out in the garden, and each night, they brought him back into the hut. When they felt playful, they joked with him. When they felt mean, they treated him badly as ever. Then one night, Alfred noticed something that frightened him. Harold is growing, he said. I was thinking the same thing, Thomas said. Maybe it's just our imagination, Alfred replied. We have been up here on this mountain too long. The next morning, while they were eating, Harold stood up and walked out of the hut. He climbed on the roof and trotted back and forth like a horse on his hind legs. All day and all night long, he trotted like that. In the morning, Harold climbed down, stood stood in a far corner of the pasture. Or sorry, he climbed down and stood in a far corner of the pasture. The men had no idea what he would do next. They were afraid. They decided to take the cows down into the valley that same day. When they left, Harold was nowhere in sight. They felt as if they had escaped a great danger and began joking and singing. What, but when they had gone only a mile or two, they realized they had forgotten to bring the milking stools. Neither one wanted to go back for them, but the stools were, would cost a lot to replace. There really is nothing to be afraid of, they told one another. After all, what could a doll do? They drew straws to see which one would go back. It was Thomas. I'll catch up with you, he said, and Alfred walked on toward the valley. When Alfred came to see came to a rise in the path, he looked back for Thomas. He did not see him anywhere, but he did see Harold. The doll was on top of the roof again. As Alfred watched, Harold kneeled and stretched out a bloody skin wait <laughs> hold on is this how this ends as alfred watched harold kneeled and stretched out a bloody skin to dry in the sun what is that the end of that that is literally the end that is so weird and creepy i did not i did not enjoy that i didn't enjoy reading that i did not enjoy learning that wow that was weird okay i didn't like that let's go on to the next one Okay, this one is a little bit longer, and it is called The Living History Project. This one's, yeah, okay. One of my least favorite parts about being a middle school history teacher is the living history assignments we give at the end of every year. Kids are supposed to sit with their grandparents and videotape, voice record, or transcribe their oldest memories for posterity and for an easy way to bring up their GPA. I've been doing this for 17 years, and when I collected the projects this time around, I assumed they would be dull, if not duller than usual. This had not been a particularly bright class. So I went home, poured myself a glass of wine, and prepared for a long night of, I only owned two pairs of pants when I was your age, and my brother got beat with a newspaper for hitting a baseball into a neighbor's yard. And of course, these projects were, prepared, were peppered with innocent old person comments that were so horribly sexist and racist, you just had to laugh. Now, I had a girl in my class who I will call Olivia. She was pudgy, quiet, and proved herself to be a consistent B student. I expected her project to be as unremarkable as her, and perhaps that's why I was so profoundly disturbed what I witnessed that night. Olivia had submitted two discs for some reason, so I began with the one marked Interview. My screen hiccuped twice before a grainy image of a living room came into view. The place was a hoarder's hell. Olivia, had cur Olivia was curled up in an armchair, clutching a notebook, and looking like a scared animal. Across from her sat a man with a somber countenance, smoking a cigarette and staring at her expectantly. Go ahead, a woman's voice whispered from behind the camera. Olivia's owlish eyes flashed towards the screen, then back to the man. I am here with my great uncle Stephen, she began almost inaudibly. He is going to tell us about his oldest memories from being in the army. 
Great Uncle Stephen looked like he'd rather be in a trench at the moment, but he waited patiently for the questions to begin. Not surprisingly, Olivia read verbatim from the suggested whoa. Olivia read verbatim from the suggested question sheet I had handed out to the students. He answered her curtly. Once or twice, I heard her mother whisper, speak up, Olivia, from behind the camera. Typical boring stuff. So I was intrigued when Olivia set down the notebook and asked, did you like being in the army? That was totally off script. Great Uncle Stephen emitted a chain smoker's wheeze. Nope. Glad to get out of my town, though. Where'd you go? Balkans. Uh-huh. She said, I doubted, I doubted she knew what the Balkans were. My suspicion was confirmed when she asked, was Bacchus very different from here? Yes. Mom cleared her throat from behind the camera, perhaps encouraging Great Uncle Stephen to be a little more forthcoming. But Olivia seemed genuinely interested. Uncle Stephen, she asked, what is your very worst memory from the army? The old man crushed his cigarette in the ashtray, then slowly, slowly lifted himself out of his chair. I'll be back, he mumbled. Then the camera cut off. When the screen flashed back on, everything was the same, except Great Uncle Stephen had several pieces of paper in plastic sleeves laid atop all the crap sitting on his coffee table. One he held in his hand. I was a kid when I enlisted, he said, looking at Olivia. Your brother's age, he told her. Olivia nodded. I never saw combat. Both of my deployments were to cities in Eastern Europe that had been destroyed by civil wars. Everything was a mess. I felt like a janitor. Great Uncle Stephen sighed and looked at his paper. My unit was assigned to a school that had been obliterated by all the violence, broken windows, caved in rooms, and for some reason, the part that always got to me was most was that the school had been like this for years before we got there. No one had lifted a finger to fix it. I saw kids walk by on their way to go beg for money or whatever they did. The camera dipped towards the floor as I heard mom whisper harshly at great uncle Steven. I couldn't make out what she was saying, but it wasn't hard to imagine. Do you want to hear this story or not? I heard him bark in response. Then you better let me tell it how I want. Mom, Olivia chimed. Please stop interrupting. Are you presenting this in front of the class? No, mom. We're just handing it into the teacher. I'm sure he's heard worse before. Great uncle Steven contributed helpfully. I wasn't a he as a matter of fact, but other than that, the statement was accurate. The camera was lifted after a couple of blurry focus adjustments. Oh, sorry. The camera was lifted, and after a couple of blurry focus adjustments, the shot was the same as before. I'm talking too much anyways, he grumbled. He lifted the piece of paper in his hand close to his face. In the basement, I found this letter. I didn't know what it said, but I had a buddy of mine translate it, so I'm going to read it now, and then I'll tell you what I saw in that basement. A chill ran down my spine. Mom zoomed in to Great Uncle Stephen and his letter. His, pa- his palsied hands trembled as he set up the paper. This is what he read. Dear Sir, I never loved my country. So many of these skirmishes are born from patriotism, a power struggle for the shards of a once great empire, but I do not care what my what name my home has on a map. This fighting is senseless, and I stay as far away from it as I can. It was not these attacks and disorganized violence that took the lives of my wife and child. It was illness. Mercifully, it happened quickly for the baby. Nadia suffered for longer. I watched in horror knowing that I could do nothing for them. My only solace is that I was there for them every step of the way. I stopped going to work, and no one came after me. I doubt they noticed I was gone. Since the school was simply across a field visible from my window, it would have been easy to go for a few hours each day and come home quickly to care for them. But what was the point? All I did was clean floors. I was as useless to the world as I was to my family. I tried to take Nadia to the hospital, but the journey was too long and taxing. I brought her home, and she died that night. After Nadia and the baby were gone, well, I don't remember much. I didn't leave my hovel. I don't know what that is. Hovel. Barely ate and slept thought many times of taking my own life. Tempting though it was, I felt paralyzed by my own helplessness. The one thing that kept me sane was my radio. I never turned it off once, even though I didn't listen to the words being said. In fact, the channel I got was the the channel I got the clearest was in English, I think, which I don't speak a lick of. But the voices, the music, and the true knowledge that life existed beyond this violent city sustained me. I have no idea how much time passed before I saw the light of day again. I was dizzy from hunger, so finding food was my priority. My radio radio came with me, of course, since I first hold up my hold myself up. It has gone everywhere with me. It talks to me as I sleep and as I wake. I don't know what it's saying, but I know I would die without it. Once I had some water and food, it occurred to me that the only thing left to do was go back to work. So I did. The following morning, I simply returned to the school where I was a janitor and got back to work. Nobody made a big deal out of it. Like I said, Nadia had been sick for a long time, and those who worked at the school knew it. I appreciate that no one had pestered me to come back to work during the hardest days of my life. The teacher never said much to me, but we smiled at each other in the halls, and that mutual respect was perhaps the reason I decided to come back at all. The place had gone to the dogs without me, so I simply grabbed my broom and rags from the closet and set to cleaning. 
Everyone is grateful to have me back, I know, and the best part is that nobody minds my radio. I bring it with me everywhere, and I keep the volume low enough not to disrupt the students. No one has ever complained. In fact, I suspect they like it. The schoolhouse is not very big, but does not but does require a lot of maintenance. The floors are always sticky and stained, so I spend most of my time mopping. Kids make messes. I guess that's why I'm still in business. Sometimes I have to move things around to make sure I get every spot on the floor clean, but I take pride in that. And the repairs. The school always needs tune-ups here and there, and I'm happy to help. Some days I'm reconstructing a desk that broke as I whistle along with the radio. Other times I handle more serious structural issues. Days when I have work like this, I truly feel instrumental, like a cog in a larger machine. How could this school survive without me? It took me a long time, but I once felt felt happy that I had purpose. There's a larder behind me that's there's a larder behind the school that is full of preserved food. In lieu of payment, I am allowed to take as much food as I need. That arrangement is fine. What would I do with the money anyway? I started to bring the food back to my home, just one field away and from the school, but when I started sleeping in the basement, no one seemed to notice. This school is special to me, and I cannot leave it unguarded. When I am besieged with memories of my wife and baby, I turn up the volume on the radio to drown out such thoughts. It works for me every time, except this morning, because this morning I woke up to dead silence. I frantically examined the radio to see what had happened. I honestly cannot tell you how many days in a row I have been using it. Did it simply live out its life and die naturally? I've spent the entire day trying to fix it. Most of this time, I've been crying. I'm losing my mind without it. I've given myself until sundown. If I cannot fix it by then, I'm going to take my life. I am writing this because the sunlight is starting to die, and I know that what my fate shall be. I have thought about taking one last walk through the halls of my school, saying goodbye to the students and teachers. I know I will be missed, but I cannot bring myself to leave this room. I cannot go anywhere knowing that my radio is dead in here. There are no more tears in me. It feels now like I can... Like I can't catch my breath. I vomited what little food I had in my stomach and I am dizzy again, like I felt after Nadia died. I'm not long for this world. But before I take my life, I have closed the door to this room and stuck a chair beneath the handle. It is the only room in the basement and has a small casement that lets in just enough light for me to see what I am doing. If anyone is kind enough to come looking for me, they should not be met with this gruesome sight. Perhaps they will see the door is blocked, smell my rotting body, and simply forget I ever existed." but I have placed both my radio and this note outside the door. Kind sir, if you are reading this, I have but one humble request. Please fix it. Save my radio. I did not deserve to die in its sleep, and I am ashamed that I cannot retrieve it. I am now ready to join Nadia and little Ludmila in heaven. I hope this school can find another janitor who loves and cares for it the way I do. The hour is now. Do not forget my radio. When my mom zoomed, when mom zoomed out, Olivia had tears in her eyes. Thank you for sharing, Uncle Stephen, Mom said. Her voice choked. I think we have enough. Wait, Olivia chirped. He said there's more. What did you find? Before great Uncle Stephen could open his mouth, the image disappeared. My jaw dropped. What was it? What did great Uncle Stephen see? I promptly remembered that there was a second disc. This one was unmarked, but I hope it contained the rest of the interview. There was no video, only audio. The voice that started up was Olivia's. Hi, Miss Garrity. I'm sorry about my mom, but she refused to record the rest of what my uncle was saying, but I asked him to continue and secretly recorded this story as a voice memo on my phone. I remember you said earlier this year that history is written by the people who win wars. She sucked in a breath and commenced crying, but everyone's history is important. Even if they are sad, pathetic people, and even if they never won a single thing in their life, I haven't slept through the night since I finished this project, but you have to hear what my uncle has to say. There were tears in my eyes, too. The sincerity of her words were beautiful. I was also flattered that she had remembered some trite phrase that I threw around because it was what my history teacher said to me. Before I got too sappy over it, the audio began. Fine, came Mom's frustrated voice. If you want to hear the rest of the story, fine, but this is not appropriate for a school project. Let me finish, Great Uncle Stephen snapped. If it's too much for you, help yourself to a snack in the kitchen, but Olivia wants to know what happened. I heard her mother mumble something and walk away. Olivia and her uncle were alone. I imagined her looking at him expectantly. So did you find the radio or did it get ruined when the school got blown up? He rasped and I heard the distinct click of a lighter. That letter, he began slowly, had a date on it. What date? She said. It was dated two weeks before we started rebuilding the school. Didn't you say the school had been destroyed like two years ago? Yes, replied Uncle, great uncle Stephen. It had been. There was a silence as I felt goosebumps on my arms. The images that came to mind were almost too overwhelming to express, but Great Uncle Stephen put them into words effortlessly. Clearly, he had spent his whole life thinking about it. This man went to a vandalized, falling-apart schoolhouse and cleaned up blood and rubble like it was spilled drinks and dust. He smiled at the dead bodies in the hallway and believed they were smiling back at him because they liked his radio. 
He moved around corpses so he could have swept the ground underneath them. The roof was half collapsed, so when it rained, he must have gotten soaking wet, but it was so he was so oblivious that he didn't even feel a thing. I could hear Olivia crying steadily. I found the larder he was talking about. It was all picked, preserved food that probably tasted terrible. Most of the stuff was moldy. Did you see the dead body? Yes, hanging from the ceiling, but still amazingly lifelike. He wasn't rotting away. This hadn't happened years ago. Did he look peaceful? She asked, a chord of desperation in her vid- in her voice. Couldn't tell you. The smell was rank and his face was blue. Like this, I imagined him demonstrating. And the radio, Olivia wept. I heard Granville Stephen take a long drag of a cigarette. It was there all right, and it was still on. <gasps> that was a weird story. This episode is a roller coaster. I mean, wow. I don't know if I'll keep that in. If it, if the, if you're hearing my voice right now, that story kept I kept it in, and wow, that's bizarre. That was scary. That is from a website called Creepy Pasta. If you guys are into scary stories, you can go read them there. Um, thank you for listening to my very 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 random all over the place uh, stream of consciousness episode. I hope you got a, l- a few laughs, a little spooks. I'm kind of spooked right now. Right as I started talking about the radio, my, uh, computer started making that whirring noise, you know, when it's like overheating, my, it's probably going to explode, but whatever. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. And I want to end on a announcement because I'm not putting this on Instagram yet. And I want you guys who listen to my podcast right away to be the very first ones to hear it. So I am releasing this week. I'm not entirely sure what day. I think Friday new merch. And I'm so excited. It's Dum Dum Club merch. Um, It's sweatshirts. It's pullover sweatshirts. And they should be on my website this Friday at 10 a.m. And there's not very many. There's not very many. And I'm not just saying that. There really are not. I did not uh, stock up very many. And they will not be restocked when they are sold out. So make sure that you keep an eye on my Instagram for the announcement and get yourself a Dum Dum Club sweatshirt. I am so excited about them. They're really, really, really cool. So there is the final thing I had to say. I love you very much. Hope you stay spooked, but still happy. Okay. I love you. Bye. (laughs) 